This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Bailock. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we're hanging out in an Italian train station pining over another Italian hunk as we watch Spine 202 in the Criterion Collection, Vittorio De Sica's Indiscretion of an American Wife from 1953. But first, mm. RJ, huh? it's, the, it's the holiday season. It's you can't, We can't stop it. It's it's Did, coming. Would you want to? I would. I I would love to, for this never to happen again in some ways. But here we are. Do you have like a Joker esque pl- plot to destroy Christmas? Are you one of the people on the war against Christmas? <laughs> I am in the ranks. I'm uh on the front lines. Uh, hmm. That avant garde. So when you get a Starbucks cup and it says Merry Christmas, are you gonna throw that coffee right at the wall? Or oh, at, at the face of the employee? And then debt fascists yeah. down with propaganda. Yeah, I go to people's yards with Christmas decorations, pour lie on it. Happy holidays. Um, what if it was like lights? Are those Christmassy, or can they those be any denomination? Just, I just take them in my fist and just tear them off. You tear that shit off? I whip them around. Hey, on a side note, uh, Andrea's um, sister lives on like the south side of our city. And uh, she had, like, those tube lights, and they had them wrapped around uh, their outside, like, uh, railing on their, like, little, like, stairs and little deck in the front. And they were zip-tied on there. Someone stole them over the weekend. Or not this weekend, like, over a weekend a while ago. Someone went, took the time, brought some clips or a little pocket knife and cut off all the little zip-ties. Probably would have taken them, like, at least 30, 40 minutes to do the whole thing. And they took them. Well, I mean, they're not the fanciest. You could get them at Canadian Tire for probably like 20, 30 bucks. Well, I mean, in the context of this conversation, good. I mean. <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, do you I, have anything? Perfect. Have you been Have you been to the Fat Burger Keg area uh, at all lately? Or oh, That would be telling, wouldn't it? I saw a badger there one time. A badger? Yeah, I was walking down the street with what? his big ass biceps just in the middle of the street. Did you see any mushrooms? No. Okay. Yeah, Christmas is fine. <laughs> so, uh, what's your what's your gripe? I know you don't like turkey because oh, you're an animal. It's, I know you it's like Duncan the, Ham. It's the it's the production. It's the it's the whole the thing. Pageantry? It's it's the stress. It's the unneeded mm. stress and things that people bring upon themselves. It's I get it. It's fun, RJ. Yeah. Getting people together. I I understand. There's some there's some charm to it. There's the there's a you watch you know schmaltzy movies but like gremlins like gremlins and home well, alone they, and home alone you needed something during winter to cheer people up or else everyone mm-hmm. would go into seasonal or gets into the it turns to the terror it would turn into the terror everyone would get depression and just like start eating each other bad stuff yeah maybe yeah you, you don't know that it's true i guess are I'd, you what so, no keep going oh no yeah you don't i mean i'd rather eat a a turkey or ham rather than my fellow man that remains to be determined. Wow. You've never really been it's, given the option. It's never you? come to uh, push to shove, you know? <laughs> well, maybe if presented with both options, maybe you might. Because what if, let's say you had ham or human and you had that honey mustard on the side. Oh, Would wow. you dunk it? Wow. I mean, any kind of mustard to go along with uh, 
the flesh of a, a living being. I mean, <sighs> who, who am I to uh, turn down such a, a fine offer? That's a luscious offer. Hey, mm-hmm. what kind of mustard do you dunk with? Normal mustard, honey mustard, or Dijon? Uh, I'm highly like standard, invested. Your standard, like, like for any, like, average things? For it, Christmas it, ham. Oh, uh, yeah, oh, boy. I mean, I'm good with any of those three, but I guess in the hierarchy, I probably would default to some French's mustard. Some uh, uh, classic. If if uh, Papa Duncan makes some uh, honey mustard, if he mm-hmm. were to make that, I'd be all over that. It's usually more of a glaze, which uh, is just right. like, like, delicious as well. Uh, and then, yeah, Dijon's usually also on the table. And uh, it depends. It depends on the, the how I'm feeling about that ham. So you do have a presentation of a triforce of ham, and then Big Papa Duncan, if he's cooking a holiday ham, does he put pineapple all over it too and no. just like really sweeten it up? No, no, no. See, that no. would change the game completely. Yeah. Okay, I've I've been asking around. I've been asking some kids lately yep. if uh, if they're turkey or hams. Li- I, I got li- a... literally kids. Yes, literally kids. I, I just go around town. Hey, kid, what are you eating this Christmas? <laughs> yeah. Turkey or ham? Hello, who are you? <laughs> Um, I did a, but I was asking and some people have pretty strong opinions. A lot of people are leaning towards that honey mustard, but a a fine subtle detail that a lot of people have pointed out is if they're making sandwiches, you got to just go with that sweet or not sweet, but that nice sour Heinz mustard, that classic yellow, just slap that on baby. Heinz or French's. No, actually, you know what? I think we, I think we got Heinz mustard. Disgusting. Or French is ketchup. Which one's Canadian? Well, okay. So we're, we're supporting the, 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 Canadians. The, right. So that's French. Yeah. You don't want okay. that. That Heinz. Heinz is ketchup. They're the ones that uh, abandoned us. They, uh, that's what it th- Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, uh, everyone turned against Heinz. And now there's French's ketchup. And, uh, I haven't noticed a difference. Yeah. So we, yeah, we get French's ketchup and French's mustard. And we're proud, honorable Canadians. Oh. I'm sure French's will. Gladly exploit the labor force just as well. Probably. Do you think we could get an endorsement? If anyone out there is listening and wants to help us out, take this episode with French's Mustard Company. Hashtag exploitation. Exploitation. I'll talk about mustard at least 10 minutes a week. Hashtag blind nationalism. Blind national. Well, it's working in some countries. Uh, I remember uh, very quickly seeing at restaurants the French's uh, ketchup everywhere. Yep. And I was like, wow, I, people really stuck to their guns on this, and it still continues. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm all for it. Whatever yeah. makes the Canadian people happy and uh, not, like, focus on the real things. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Nice. Well, that's it. That's the show. Oh, hey, RJ. You know, just, just to keep things uh, in current events, uh, mm. the majority has voted to impeach. I'm just gonna, no. I'm going to leave it at that, and uh, people will know what I'm talking about, or they won't. So, are you are you serious? Yeah. Holy fuck! I didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> what a swerve, right? <laughs> no, no, for for real, I didn't think anything would ever. Uh, oh no! Derail no, that train. This this is this phase one though. Oh. We, we they this is this is just the the start. I gotcha. Oh yeah, this is this okay. Is, this isn't over by a long shot. So well, we'll see. That, that, you could take that sound clip and put it into a trailer about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well. They, yeah. Yeah. There you go. So emails. Mm, yes. Bag's feeling a little light. We got a little light email bag today. A little light email. It seems What's that like, about? Uh, people are slacking off. Maybe. Maybe people are getting inundated with this holiday shit 
and not having time in to write mm. into their favorite podcast. I got gotcha. you. The number one international sensation. I'm just saying. Oh, the global phenom? Yeah. Sorry, I got distracted for a second because I didn't believe you, so I Googled oh. it. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> but now I do believe you now. Yeah, it doesn't get much more yep. fresh than that. Anywho. Yeah, what's up with Sam? Scott Bailey. No, Sam. Oh, George Bailey? George, yeah. He begins, hey, it's George Scott Bailey. Okay. Over the weekend, I saw a movie called The Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas. It's an nice. early Peter Cushing movie. It's the second movie with him in it that isn't Lord of the Rings. I mm-hmm. was wondering what other Peter Cushing movies you recommend of his. Oof, what other Peter Cushing movies? That's what you said, right? Yep. Well, I mean, any any hammer. Well, I got I got boop boop boop. I got to look it up on the internet here. Got to hack the mainframe. Top Secret. That was pretty hip with the kids for a while. Uh, Horror Express. That movie's cool. You seen Horror Express, Jared? I I have. I I actually own quite a few of these movies. Oh, look at that. Top Secret. Um, let's see. Is there any uh big uno numero? Uno? Did he say other than the Dracula Frankenstein's or yeah, anything, or those on what, the table? What, what, what's a what's a a top pick? Let me see for, how for the I. Koosh. Let me see how I my highest ratings for these are Horror Express, Dracula, Horror. Dracula AD 1972. Yeah, that movie rules. Uh, Revenge of Frankenstein, Hamlet, Star, of, Star, Star Wars. I wasn't going to include that because no. no nobody's talking about that now. It's I think it's done. I think we killed it for good, man. What else we got here? Lots of Frankensteins. You ever seen Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, Jarrett? I have. I gave it three stars. Nice. Terrific. <laughs> uh, I've only seen 16, which is actually quite a bit, but it, looking at it like this, it doesn't really seem like that many. Man, that's yeah, kind of crazy, actually, how many movies he was in just at a glance here. Yeah, uh, I'd say Horror Express would be worth checking out and some of those hammers. Hey, you know what I just noticed? He's not credited on Letterboxd for his appearance in the 2015 or 16 movie Star Wars Rogue One. Well, that's okay. But, I mean, they used his likeness. He didn't get credit, though. <laughs> um, thanks for the email, George. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not super helpful, but <laughs> the Draculas and the Frankensteins are good. Uh, I'd say check out Horror Express. That movie's cool. Our next email is from Scott Bailey. Oh, okay. What's up? This is George, George, this is George Scott Bailey again. I mistook oh. Christopher Lee for Peter Cushing in my last email. I don't know why. While you're at it, add Christopher Lee to that question too. Well, yeah, because Peter Cushing's not in Lord of the Rings. He right? sure isn't. <laughs> I see what you're saying now. I see what you're saying. Uh, I thought I, was, I thought I would let it hang there for a moment. Well, I was still distracted. I was moving away from that page I looked up first. Right, right, right. About uh, impeachment things. Uh, I mean, the obvious answer is the devil rides out, right? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Wow, I've seen double the Christopher Lee movies that I've seen of Peter Cushing. Same. Hey, you know what's a good movie that we haven't talked about in a long time? Horror Express. Oh, yeah. yeah Christopher kinda... Lee's in that, too. Or how about Wicker Man? How about, Wicker Man? How about Gremlins 2, The New Batch? Yeah, that that's pretty good. That would be a good pick. I would also, you know, what about City of the Dead, a.k.a. Uh, yeah. Horror Hotel? Fuck that yeah. That movie's really good. Hells, hells yeah. Son. Oh, you know what's another good movie we haven't talked about in a long time? Dracula, AD 1972. <laughs> haven't got there yet. Uh, how about Hanny Calder? 
That's a that's a good old cowpoke He's western film. Mm-hmm. Count Count Dracula from Jess Franco. One yeah. of, I think one of the better uh Dracula adaptations. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone's ever watched, you know, some of these other movies. I mean, Star Wars Episode Two, two and Three, Count Dooku. Oof, that's pretty good, man. I. What about Star Wars: The Clone Wars? That seems pretty popular with the kids. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Devil Rides Outs. Yeah, Devil Rides Out, and uh, City of the Dead. City of the Dead. Yeah, because I mean those are just quality movies in general. But quality. Our, our boy Christopher Lee really uh, cranks some dicks out in those ones, if you know what I mean. Next up, oh, Jackson, Actium, Jackson Maximus. Hey, creeps. Oh, hope your weeks have been going good. My first question I had was in regards to this week's film and why you guys didn't make the Umberto D episode a double feature. It seems that if there are two films in a row from a single director, you tend to group them together, but I could be wrong. Uh, I can answer this. Yeah, so, why don't you take care of that? So f- several weeks ago, I made the decision without consulting RJ that mm-hmm. uh, post 200, that going forward, we would probably not do the double header, triple header thing uh, mm-hmm. as often because... Frankly, it's it can be a lot. Uh, it's quite tough. A bit. Part part of it too was um, I, I wanted Umberto D to be its own episode, and yeah. uh, I didn't want to necessarily talk about this movie that I had not seen before yet. Uh, t- talking about them at the same time, and mm-hmm. then RJ coming up next week, we we'd be watching not one, not two, but three Fastbinder films. Mm. We'd in fact actually be watching those right now if I had not made that decision. And that, uh, tough. that seems like something I, de- I definitely didn't want to do is watch three of his movies all in one go. I think it would be better yeah. to pace ourselves just a little bit. And uh, there will be a double header uh, in the next few weeks, but, mm-hmm. th- th- but which is, has a purpose. But then going forward, we're going to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, We're not in any big rush to get to that Spine 1000. Isn't that is that fair to say, RJ? I think that's fair. We'll get there eventually. And I mean, we did it to like kind of make ground when we were first starting out because like no one's gonna care if we only watch one movie ever, maybe. Uh, but actually, I think what people have frequently commented when they're not commenting about how bad of a job I do, um, I think people have said like when we did the Hitchcock movies last Creeptober and we did one a week, uh, it seemed like people kind of enjoyed them more because we could give them more attention or as you like to say, let them breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you give them a little bit more tension, you focus on one and then you can kind of give it its proper due. Sometimes when you do the double headers, I think if we had done Umberto D and uh, this film, I don't think we really, well, I don't know what your opinion is, but I don't think we would have talked about this one almost at all. Yeah. I think it was the right decision to make. So yeah. Anyway, so that's the answer oh, well. to that. Uh, that. That we didn't make an announcement about it, but uh, at least one other listener will lambasted us about this. <laughs> Again, we got more. Okay, onward. Uh, <laughs> next, in regards to your guys' surprise with the Home Alone two being more popular than the first among RJ students, mm. I'm in a somewhat similar age group. It seems that it was always played on TV, whereas I rarely saw the original syndication. Finally, when looking at the popular mm-hmm. films tab on Letterboxd, the top four films, 
Marriage Story, Irishman, Parasite, and Knives Out were all in the top 250, which just reminded me of the fact that sometimes the site isn't the most reliable when it comes to dictating good film recommendations with some clear yeah. skews toward newer and specific films. What are your guys' thoughts on that, and do you have any other gripes with the site? On a final note, I'll third Sam and Jarrett's recommendation of the long goodbye for RJ, and I hope he gets around to it soon, because, yes, I I saw that Jackson did watch the long goodbye and and seemed to have enjoyed it as well. So there you go, RJ. Forces forces are mounting. Where can I acquire said film? Uh, It's sitting on my shelf about three feet away. But I gotta come over to your house with the silent partner, which is a Christmas movie. But then that requires that I leave my house. Yeah. Well, and I mean that's that's just not the right thing, man. What did uh, what did he say just before that? I'll give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, what did what did oh yeah did he say just before? Because I had something to say about that. Oh yeah, we will about Letterboxd. Uh, about finish. Keep up the unparalleled and uncompromising work on the most thorough work of film criticism in existence. Axiom Jackson Maximus. Did he spell it out phonetically like thorough? I I did that. Oh, you added that little flair? It always makes me think of Big Lebowski. Thorough. Thorough. Yeah, I like that. That's good stuff. Well, I mean, we are a global phenom, so. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about a few letterbox scripts before. Yep. Like all this bullshit with TV shows that so, the the ones <laughs> that, that they pick that, that and Watchmen, choose. Watchmen season one will wind up on there because it is. It already is. Is it okay? Yep. I guess no. I, I guess watch it on the weekend. Because is, is it done? Yep. Okay. No, no, I don't think anyone I follow that were like maybe I missed it completely. I haven't mm-hmm. seen anyone log that, so that's that's good. That's nice. I, yeah, I saw it uh, on the weekend. As soon as the last episode aired, uh, it popped up there. And like, even that's not, or that's actually new to him too, because there were shows that like it, they didn't wait until the season was over to just put it on there. Because I remember when uh, eleven twenty two sixty three that miniseries came out. It, it the first episode it was loggable on Letterbox, so some people were logging it every week when they watched it. Talking, that's juking your numbers, baby. Juking those numbers. So, yeah, the, the whole thing that, yeah, right now we've got Marriage Story, Irishman, Parasite, Knives Out, and they're all in the top 250. Yeah, it's a recency bias because mm-hmm. even like a director's most recent movie will be like their most popular because most pe- more people have seen it because it's brand new and Letterboxd is relatively new. Mm-hmm. So it's always going to swing that way. And, uh, yeah, people like to five-star things, I find, and get really excited, and they, it's 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 a snapshot, but I mean over time that balances out as more and more people further from it uh, actually rate things accordingly, and then they mm-hmm. uh, eventually. But I don't know if that's even true because like, IMDb is really bad. Like it's it's top rated things. So it's Godfather, Shawshank Redemption. They're always battling it out. <laughs> and, uh, Which would you take out of those two? I mean. What like what movie would I watch now? If like, it was, I yeah. don't know. But it's, it's been a really, really, really long time since I saw Shawshank Redemption, and I'm not part of the like, oh, that movie sucks crowd because I don't think it sucks mm-hmm. at all. I think it's actually a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Godfather is an incredible movie, mm. so that's hard. Well, maybe- Maybe I'll let you know after we do the Gabagool, maybe we'll watch the Godfather and other Italian movies just to keep that. Well, the, uh, the first one, the first Godfather is pretty, uh, pretty great. Second one, I've never been that big on and mm-hmm. just don't need to watch three, but you should, I guess. I, I never I, have yeah. though. I've never finished that movie. 
I mean, I've seen them all. It's just, it's been many years. Uh, yeah, so it is not the most reliable when it comes to dictating, on, on the whole. Because there's like, yeah, those numbers don't work out great. But on which hole? The, the hole? The, the hole okay. enchilada, if you will. Oh, yeah. with the W. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, other gripes on the Letterbox website. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Most of it has to do with, like, I guess users <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that these, like, really shitty lists always get, like, super attention on them. Like, mm-hmm. And they're just jokes. And it's like, oh, that, that, look at that. That's cute. But should we all be posting about it? But there's a huge segment of people who drive their website, and uh, that's how it works. It's not you know a, which one I don't like? What? Cinemonster. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, you're, yeah. you're going to call someone out by name. Oh, my goodness, RJ. <laughs> the the Hooptober guy. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I can't remember what it was. Like, I think it was one time, like, he was talking. I don't like the way he runs that Hooptober thing because, number one, I don't like Ho- Toby Hooper that much. Number two, I think he was a bad choice. Number three, he starts it in, like, August. And it's like, like, I know you want people to make their list, too, but you're not doing this right, dude. You're not keeping the spirit within October. And then I remember he's one a, time. He, I, he's a cinemonster. He probably doesn't observe uh, space and time. He's he's nonlinear, are you saying? Yeah. Well, there's that. But I remember one time someone commented something and he's like, here's a link to my store. And I was like, oh, I mean, I, Everyone's, I can't say every, I, hey, I wouldn't do that. We, we, we all, we, we all got to have a hustle. Yeah. And you can check us out at criteriancreeps.com. Or go to our Patreon and tell and support our uh, crusade against our, Cinemonster. Our, 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 uh, our way of life. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of users, there's one thing that I, I dislike. Like, you know how you can... Like you can like not. What can you do when you there's a user you don't like? You can just like flag them. Yeah. But you can't mute them, right? Like if you go to a movie no. and they're the top review, you still have to see it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a few people like that that <laughs> I I wish I didn't see their reviews. I don't read them anyways. It's just it's annoying to see them over and over and over again. And you're like, ah, get out of here, you. Yeah. 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 Kind of like you. Like me, no. There's, uh, I don't want to single out anybody, but there's definitely there's like people. Uh, it would be, it would enrich my life if I never had to see their words ever again. Are any of them named Barnloaf? <laughs> Finally, oh. Justin Peterson oh, with an email entitled "Star Wars: Nothing But Star Wars." Uh oh. Hey, Jared and RJ, what's happening? With nerd culture in a fever pitch over the latest conclusion in the Star Wars Super Saga. Yeah, I guess, I mean, is this the third conclusion? How would you, how would you rank uh, your top three Star Wars films? Empire would, of course, be my number one. Uh, yeah. But I not, but I'm not so sure if I would go with A New Hope or Return of Jedi as my number two, since Jedi definitely did not hold up on my latest rewatch. But it does have one of the best final space battles of the franchise. Um. Well, <laughs> RJ, what do you what do you think? I mean, probably Empire, Hope, and then Jedi. But when I was a little kid, Jedi was my favorite because of Ewoks. Right. Uh, so I'd I'd go New Hope, Empire, Jedi because. I've never been in love with Empire Strikes Back as much as everyone else. It's just, yeah, whatever, that's just your nature, though. That's just my nature. I, I, I've always, uh, I think, I, I think we talked about it on the podcast at some point. But uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I actually, I, 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 I think Return of the Jedi might be my favorite. 
Like my favorite yeah, one. Je- <laughs> Jedi's not bad, man. Like I, I like those Ewoks. I think they're cool. I love the Emperor, so that's always good. Uh, <laughs> did you watch the Star Wars movies in release order? Also, was the big twist with Vader and Empire spoiled for you? I watched them on VHS. Kind no, I actually I think I watched them on like CTV or whatever it was at the time. Because I remember mm-hmm. them, some channel was playing them. And so I, I did kind of wind up watching those movies kind of out of order. And so mm-hmm. I was always kind of like, there's something about Vader being his dad or something. So I've, I, it's a it's a murky memory. Mm-hmm. But it never was like a big surprise. It was kind of one of those things you just find out, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. Like Darth Vader was up, like he fits into the, uh, the same kind of nebula for me as like Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger. Yeah. He's just like, oh, it's just a matter of fact what those stories are. There was never a yep. moment where it was like a surprise to me. Yeah, no, I think that's the same with me. I think I've mentioned before, too. It's one of those things that's just in TV and other movies. So I think even before I knew what it was, I just, you just know. You're like, yeah, there you go. Um, I think I watched them in order. We had the VHS collection, and I'm pretty sure. Yep. I mean, I don't think I would have went to three and just been like, well, I'm going to I could have. I would have been a little kid, but. I'm pretty sure I watched them in order, at least the first time. I, uh, yeah, I remember when I got, there was like the, the black VHS <laughs> tapes that they did with like, kind of like the side shots of like, whatever as a, like Vader, a stormtrooper and Yoda. I had that set and, mm. uh, I watched it a lot, watched them a lot, read a lot of, uh, the Star Wars Encyclopedia Second Edition, read Star Wars Technical Guides, uh, I read Star Wars comic books and nerd. Star Wars novels. Oh, I was nerd. deep into it back in the, the early nineties, and now I like <laughs> I can't I can't stand it at all. <laughs> you think it's because you watched it so much, or no, is it the culture? It's the it's it's that nerd culture. It's the it's the fact that it's not special anymore. That it's with us all the time, and it's not unique. It's just there. And with the, it constantly, there was a period of time where it was special, and that is just gone. It's mm-hmm. just been annihilated. And uh, Star Wars fans are very abrasive people, and they and they yes. get and they get really like for me. I I meet people like throughout my life who are like, uh, I don't really like Star Wars, and I'm like, that's fine. Like that's like any movie. <laughs> like there's there's movies I would be far more like, what you don't like that? I don't mm-hmm. care if you like Star Wars or not. But there are people, and they get they get weird. They're like, and they make you watch it because they think you just don't understand yet. I'm gonna show you the fucking way. And it's is that like, like Rick and Morty? It's just like pulling out the fucking Bible or something and being like, no, you just no, you haven't been taught it right. It's, well, it's maybe weird. that's and, true. And you're often being told this by a person wearing like a Darth Vader designed shirt and mm. uh, some other merch. Oh, it gets weird. Um, yeah, so definitely fandom has kind of ruined it for me. But I can talk the wars. Continuing on with Justin's questions, what Star Wars movies do you dislike most and why? Personally, I have never enjoyed the Star Wars comedy spinoffs like Spaceballs or Fanboys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I thought, I mean, I liked Spaceballs when I was a kid. Do I want to rewatch it, watch it at all? About the Schwartz? No. No, I don't. I'm about the same on that one. As a kid, yes. As an adult, I have very little desire <laughs> yeah. to uh, revisit that. Yeah, that's kind of the case with a lot of uh, Mel Brooks stuff, though, too. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I watched the Star Wars Christmas special a couple years ago. That was uh, that was something. That is not good. 
at all. It's really deserving of its reputation of like all time bad. It's it's incredibly poor. Um, did you have a favorite Star Wars video game growing up? I was a big fan of Shadow of the Empire on N64. I never played Shadow of the Empire. I never got to play it. It's one of those uh, blind spots because I never had an N64 to play it on. But I did play the Super Star Wars games, uh, th- th- yeah. which are awesome. So, yeah, they're awesome, but they're super hard. You got to put it on so, like make it easy with and with that, codes. And even then, you can still you, lose. Even then, yeah, oh. it's it's tough. No. Uh, super Star Wars are wicked. I, I'll I'll just back them up. Shadow of the Empire is wicked good. Me and friend of the show Ryan Nagel would play that son of a bitch on N64 all night, baby. Yeah, that seems to all be night. the that was the case for many. It seems. Yeah. Oh, do you prefer Star Wars or Star Trek? While I have watched Star Wars more, I always I also enjoy those Trek movies, but I never got into the show. Well, let me tell you, I was I was a I was a Star Wars nerd. I was also a Star Trek nerd, I, and oh, I, I don't and I don't understand why you have to like like one more than the other. I never understood it. I like both; they're awesome. I mm-hmm. I watched a lot of original series uh, mm-hmm. as a, as a young kid. It was on syndication. It was on uh, after school on ABC for years, and I watched them all. And then they'd have uh, Next Generation on afterwards, and I watched them all. And I was watching Next Generation as it aired week to week. Mm. So, like, I know you've talked about Star Trek before, and I wasn't a huge nerd. I mean, I liked the video games, but I don't think Star Trek had any good video games. So, like, growing up, I think I think you get the uh, people give off the air that Star Trek is for super nerds, and it pushes people away. As I was older, though, the more I heard about it, I was like, man, Star Trek sounds awesome. I was like, I wish I watched that when I was a kid. And then I tried watching it like a couple years ago, but uh, I didn't, I didn't give it uh, enough, enough care. You know, Jerry, I, I didn't actually get after it. So I, I don't know how, like, I mean, it might be too late for you. That, well, that's what I mean. Like, I, I think I missed it and it's too bad because I was like, it sounds wicked. I yeah. wish I had watched it, but I mean, yeah, you'd have to really give yourself over to, to that, uh, to the show in a way yeah. that I don't know if it works. Cause it is when you're watching Star Trek, you're watching Star Trek and there's yeah. not a lot of shows like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say like the original series, like they're long episodes too. Cause that was like, cause nowadays, like what does an hour long show actually last 42 44. minutes? Yeah, yeah. Like they're not that long. These are from the sixties when TV shows were like 52 minutes with only eight minutes of commercials. Uh, very, very different period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more intense, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got Star Trek on Blu-ray, got that series, RJ, all, all three seasons. You, well, you, I, you can, Andy could jump in. I mean, I think it's on Netflix too, right? I, they're actually, I was going to say some of them are on Netflix. So, uh, and the ones that aren't, I believe are on Crave. Like the new one is on Crave. Oh, uh, like, Discovery they, or whatever. Yeah. See, that's the thing is like, you don't, there's the original series, then there's Next Generation. Next Generation, I find actually pretty tough to rewatch now. It's, it's Oh, it's, really? It's, I find it very slow, even for Star mm-hmm. Trek. Deep Space Nine is pretty good. I actually watched, because I was watching it as it aired, but then I started missing a whole bunch of episodes. Um, but I watched the first five seasons pretty straight through and was liking that. Voyager, Pass. <laughs> uh, it was, I don't know. I never really liked those, that group of characters. And then I never watched Enterprise. But And the Star, mm-hmm. and the Star Trek movies, oh, boy. Let's, we can talk Star Trek movies because <laughs> are there are there there's some good ones right like I know oh yeah Khan is yeah Wrath of Khan is uh, by far the first one I find 
uh, very dull. Tedious. Yeah, it's it looks amazing, but it's very dull. Uh, mm-hmm. The f- second movie is great. Third movie is feels like a Roger Corman movie at times. Four is uh, definitely the fun movie where they go to Earth in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, five is the undiscovered no, uh, Final Frontier is five. That is the William Shatner movie, which uh, people consider one of the worst movies ever made kind of thing. Is it, though? I I love it. I love Star okay. Trek Five. It I, it's so quotable and memorable. Mm-hmm. I, I I really do actually like that movie. It's so it's super watchable. Like I watch. There's wait like, come on, Baby Driver. Come on. <laughs> I, I, so and then Star Trek Six is uh it's actually been a forever since I've seen Star Trek Six, and then the Next Generation uh-huh. cycle is not as great. But I mean, you, I think you have to watch the TV show to some degree to like even care about the movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of what I figured. So that's like what you said. When you're in it, you're in it. I figured if I was going to do it, you got to you gotta hit it, man. Like, you got to do all of it. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. I did just note it's all on Crave. Not the movies, but all of all the series. All of them. Even okay. the animated one. Ooh. Which, which is kind of canonical as well. That's what I, I've been led to believe. So yeah. it's all there if I... If I get up to it, but I well, just I don't mean, know if I'm what, up for that. Right, that's the thing. Yeah, that's a, it's not Sopranos. We'll just say that. Well, yeah, I mean, but, a I mean, few things are. What, do you, what have you got to watch? Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, yeah. Star Trek. Like, what, what are you going to watch these things? Really? Well, exactly. And well, it's that's like, not to you're going to be unemployed right away. So, uh, well, you're, you're yes and the, no. You're going to have some downtime. But Maybe. you know what, though? None of it's loggable on uh, Letterboxd other than those movies. So then it's moot? Exactly. Mm. Well, then we should give up. Goat movie question of the week. What are your best sci-fi movies of all time? For today, I will go with the first two Alien movies. Thanks, guys, and may Mm -hmm. the force be with you. Wink. He's using the little winky emoticon. He used the little emoji? Little emoji. Shit. Little emoji. (laughs) Sci-fi films, eh? Let me... Let me consult our database. Yeah. Boop, boop. Hack that mainframe. Beep, beep. Boop. Beep, beep. Okay, sorting by my highest rating first. Boop. Uh-huh. Let's see. Conquest of the Planet of the Apes? Yeah. Planet of the Apes. War of the Worlds. Day the Earth Stood Still. Planet of the Apes. Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road is allegedly sci-fi. So yeah. is Vanilla Sky. Interstellar. Jack, the hit movie starring Robin Williams, is sci-fi. Uh, other Mad Max, The the Fountain. Total Recall, Robocop. Man, there's too many good ones to pick from, Jer. We haven't even talked yeah. about Terminator and The Thing yet. Well, so 2001 A Space Odyssey, I think, is... I mean... It's one of the best movies ever made, and it yeah. just so happens to take place in space and have aliens. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Um, so hey. I guess that would be there. Uh, I, I always feel like I want to go for deeper cuts with these things, though. Okay. Oh, there's so many. But yeah, Planet of the Apes is awesome. That first mm-hmm. movie, oh, so good. Uh, mm-hmm. Robocop. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm I'm cool with that. I don't know. I, 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 there's so many. But, uh, I mean, 2001 is like, the best, I think. What this, about this, what a weird list? This thing is so strange how it organizes. By oh, what about uh, not like us from 1995? That movie with Clint Howard. 
Okay. That's a deep cut this for is, you. This is, obs- this is ridiculous. But, of course, uh, speaking to what Jackson was mentioning, so the highest-rated science fiction film, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. How does that even fit in at all? Well, because, oh, it's got, like, alternate dimensions. Yeah, but come on. Uh, Apparently, Bloody Birthday is sci-fi, too. I guess, in the vaguest sense. It's more supernatural, though, because isn't it about, like, eclipses and stuff like that? Well, I mean, so Clockwork Orange, it's set in a dystopic future, and it's got brain programming. Uh, Is but I don't know. That's not to me. I don't think that's what people are asking about. And I don't think that's what Justin's getting at. Mm. I don't know. Lots, lots of about, good stuff. Yeah. And there's like things like the invisible man. That's a good show. It's real good. It's good. Good picture. And what about and, the fly? See, this is, it's so nuts. I like, got yeah, day of the earth stood still. That movie is awesome. And, uh, it's like barely even on the first page of, uh, Stuff that I've seen for highest rating, but because mm. it's old and nobody watches. Ooh, and of course there are seconds, which is uh, a great piece of Criterion sci-fi. Is it? It is. Mm. One one day you'll have to discover that for yourself. Probably not. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching the movies I want to watch. Fair. What about Return of the Living Dead three, which is somehow classified as science fiction? Well, I guess because there's the the government's making zombies. What about Gamera? Gamera three, Revenge of Iris. He's a uh, he's That's a sign. he's an alien. He, no, no, he's Earth's protector. Oh, but he fights things that are maybe aliens. Sometimes, probably. Sometimes. Yeah. Anyways, thanks for the email, Justin. Mm-hmm. Onward and forward. Hey RJ. Yo. What, what you been creeping on this week? I watched a little bit for you, Jay. Yeah. Watch a little bit. We're almost on season four, of Sopranos. So we're getting close, man. We just got two left. We're rolling. We're doing about a, about a season a week. Don't stop too believing. Bad. Don't stop believing. I don't know if Andrew is ready for the way that that last season's going to end. When Adriana gets <laughs> IBS oh, and Andrew, oh boy, all, all and Christopher and Tony and oh my God, I don't think she's ready for this, mm-hmm. Jer. But uh, I mean, all, my my opinion isn't going to change each week. It's good stuff. Good stuff. So I watched some actual movies this week, though. Ooh, some real ones. Uh, I watched. Have here. I'll get this one out of the way. We had a we had a Friday the Thirteenth this uh, month. Did you know that? I heard. Did you? Uh, were you uh, too busy? You couldn't start. Where what are where are you at now? Are you starting a new franchise? Or are uh, you... I still have to watch the remake. Oh, okay. And then that yeah. that would be the cap. Then you'll be and caught then, up. And then I have to loop back to Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to skip the remake because I've seen it like twice. So I'm now done. I watched Jason X, the space <laughs> adventure. Uh, and now I think I might do what you're doing and tackle the other franchise too. Um, not the Jason one, the other one. Yeah. Uh, so I might go that way too. But you know, Jason X, Jerry, you've talked about this movie before. I, I did. I, I would like to describe it as Jason uh, in versus the space porn perverts. Because uh, there's a lot of weird sexual stuff in this, and like I know, I know all the Friday Thirteenth movies have like sexy stuff in it, but this one, it seems, it doesn't seem earned, Jarrett. It doesn't seem earned. It's not earned in this. It's just, not nothing in this movie is earned, my man. So we got we got David Cronenberg. They're freezing Jason because apparently he has regenerative regenerative. 
regenerative tissue and cannot be killed, even though he's still a rotting corpse. Well, it regenerates it? until it's like a, alive, kind of. He, he... So they want to study him for like regenerative, regenerative purposes. Right. Regenerative. Uh, wasn't that the whole thing about like they just want to like keep, yeah, they want to study him, but also keep him in the plant, in the uh, research facility? Well, so it, it starts. It's, it's, all, they, it's all in that first like five minutes too. Yeah. Well, with so uh, that David Cronenberg. Minutes, yeah. That's like current day kind of. And they're like, we can't kill him. They're like, well, we'll freeze him. We'll put him in space and we'll study him so that we can heal people down Whoa. here. And they're like, cool. That's not. But, no. What? Yeah. No. And then they, well, they freeze him and then 400 years pass. Well, yeah, but you know, but what happens is they, fr- they froze him to stop him. And then it all goes to shit because you can't stop Jason because he can magically get out of chains and then hang another oh, guy in place. Yeah, and then okay. and they all die. And then like there's that there's that girl and who's he's trying to kill. She goes into cryogenic freezing, and then Jason also gets frozen. Yeah, and and uh, then and, and, then, and then it jumps four hundred years because the the complex is abandoned in like Earth's been abandoned, and then those like space people they just come across and they're like, whoa. Look at this. There's like a frozen a girl woman. and there's a guy in this block of ice and they bring it up. And then uh, because she, she was more kind of mortally wounded by Jason, mm. they use this like nanotechnology to yep. heal her. But then some nanotechnology finds its way onto Jason mm-hmm. and brings him back. Yeah, that's how I saw the rest of the movie. I think, maybe the intro is open to interpretation. Maybe. Maybe not. But no, yeah, that's a, that is an accurate telling of this. He's also like... So he's doing his normal Jason stuff. He's just like, uh, oh, boy. he's finding where the sex is and he targets it. And there's actually like one of the things, it was actually kind of a really funny joke in this was when they put him in the virtual reality. Yeah. And it's just like girls and they're like, we're having unprotected sex or premarital sex. And they're like, ha ha ha. And they hide in their sleeping bags. And then he's just like whipping their sleeping bags on the ground. I actually thought that was a really good gig. But there's the rest of the movie, Jerm. And I feel like this is the similar to Jason Goes to Hell, where I was like, man, I, I really like what they're trying to do here. I like this idea. Jason in space does sound pretty cool. It's just it's not. It sucks. Yeah, like all the acting is really bad. All the all the lines, the way that they're, I don't know. It's It's basically like it does feel like this movie was shot in about a week. Mm. You have like... Well, I mean, a little longer. It looks like they tried on it, but it, it's it's pretty fucking horrible. How about that? Those uh, the CGI ships, though. I mean, those are not bad. What? Those are not bad. <laughs> those are horrible. <laughs> well, it's all horrible, Jer. Well, those are really, really bad. Yeah, what, those what? are bad. The uh, android lady, she's pretty bad. Yep. Um, I mean, halter all... tops. And- like the fashion of it because it's supposed to be 400 years in the future but everyone's just dressed like they're like club kids in 2000 uh i didn't mind the fashion aspects oh, of, of it. course you didn't <laughs> i like chain mesh and crop tops and halter tops and weightlifting things and yeah. but you know it's kind of funny i'm looking at the uh, letterbox poster right now or like the the banner at the top and it looks like you can see where like maybe the actor's real head it kind of starts and where the mask starts because it looks like there's some hair poking out from maybe where there shouldn't be right behind the ear. I could be wrong, but that could be Kane Hodder's hair. Okay. (laughs) 
I I mean, it looks like it. Yeah, this movie well, sucks, dude. Yeah, yeah. There's. It's really bad. It's terrible. It's not funny. It's trying to be like no. a horror. It's trying to be like a horror comedy. Yeah, and it's uh, awful. Yep, all around bad stuff. So uh, I'm glad I'm done. It's definitely like. No one would – if you were watching these, you'd probably go for the long haul, even if it took you three years like me and and actually just watch all of them. Well, this was the but last one I had seen of the series proper. Yeah. yeah, well, exactly. So it's like you even though people are like, oh, it's really bad, you're like, well, I got to watch it. I've seen all of them. But it, it is definitely like the worst one. You could You could skip it for sure, I think. Yeah. But you wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, I didn't. We didn't. So I watched a real fancy movie, Jer. A fancy best picture winner. A best picture. I didn't even realize that it was a best picture winner. Yeah, it's better than Raging Bull, apparently. A- apparently. Well, here's the thing, Jer. You ever heard of Robert Redford? I have heard of him. You know that guy? I, I know. From, you know that I, I know him from Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, from uh, Captain America Two: The Winter Soldier. Yeah, and he's got that line in there. Hey, can you uh, get Iron Man to come to my kid's birthday party? Did you ever think that you'd hear Robert Redford say that? I did not. Did he also win an award for A River Runs Through It or no? Uh, possibly. It doesn't, it doesn't It doesn't matter. But so you, so you watch This Ordinary People. Ordinary People. That's right. Uh, I believe this is based on a book. Okay. But it's also the same screenwriter from uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy. So, I mean, something something's cooking here. So you ever heard of Ordinary People, Jared? Well, of course you have because you've seen all the best picture winners. This is correct. Save Green Book. Well, we got well, – yeah, you will. Well, you don't need to because I'll do my retelling and then you'll be okay. Cool. Was that loggable and letterboxed? Green Book? Well, your reinterpretation of it. Once someone adds it to the film database, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we got Ordinary People. And you know who's an ordinary guy? Is Donald Sutherland. And you know who's an ordinary lady? Is Mary Tyler Moore. You know who's an ordinary teenager? Timothy Hutton. Yep. That's right. The dad from Haunting of Hill House. I know you're pretty excited about that. And then Judd Hirsch is there from Taxi. You remember Judd Hirsch? Sure do. Who could They're forget? They're all there. They're all ordinary people, Jared. Okay. So I watched this because I. Uh, it just got added to Amazon Prime like a week or two ago. Or... Like in the last month or so. And uh, it had actually popped up on my radar a little while ago. Not because it was a Best Picture winner, but I think it was... Uh, I don't know, Jared. Do you, have you ever heard of these themes called like grief and loss? You ever heard of that? Uh, maybe. Yes. Maybe. So it, it popped on my radar from that because it was like... It's like a great movie about grief and loss and what it's like to lose someone. And I was like, ooh, that's... That sounds like all the stuff that I pretend to be interested in. So I was like, let me check it out. So I popped it on, or I saw it pop up there, and I was like, you know what? I haven't watched a right proper movie in a while. Maybe I'll give it a go. See what's up. So Donald Sutherland, Mary Tyler Moore, they got two kids. Timothy Hutton's one of them. Uh, Off screen, you see, they go out sailing. One of them dies. They come home. Timothy Hutton's alive, but he has survivor's guilt. And uh, he tries to commit suicide. Um, he doesn't do it, though. And he's living. And now he's in therapy. And uh, Donald Sutherland's trying to boost up his spirits. Mary Tyler Moore is not really 
the same anymore. She's kind of dealing with it her own way and kind of taking it out on the son. And the son feels a little bit bad. He feels guilty and, uh, you know, he, he feels like his mom blames him. And so they're ordinary people, Jared, doing <laughs> ordinary things. But they're feeling extraordinary feelings. I believe that's how this was pitched. So I actually really like all the... Uh, I think the story is really good. Like, what they what they were trying to say with it. Because um, it's all the stuff that I like. I, I like the idea. I like the story. And I, I really like how some of the movie is kind of... Uh, how it's shown and i'll talk about that in a second but it's kind of a it's kind of a slog um and i think a lot of it has to do with the acting like i don't think donald sutherland is good in this movie he's he's kind of like i don't know he he's trying his best but like these people i don't really believe them together they don't really work and then they're not great and then this movie is kind of boring at some parts and it kind of drags a little bit and it doesn't have the, the the zip that I think it should have. Of Miracle Whip? It doesn't have the zip of Miracle Whip. But that said, there are some scenes that I think are really good. Like, I think when uh, Timothy Hutton is, like, remembering stuff and it's just kind of a – it cuts to him on the boat with his brother, but there's no sound to it. It just kind of shows what happens and then it cuts back to him. That's the kind of shit I love. I eat that stuff up. Jared, you know memories and grief and loss i was like "Ooh, baby I was like i like that but uh yeah i don't know it's it it wasn't it wasn't as uh snappy and zip and zazz as i wanted it to be so i was a little bit bummed out by it hmm. but i thought the story idea was good you know what i mean what did you think of ordinary people starring adam baldwin <laughs> i remember almost nothing about this movie other nope. than it's brown and gray, and it is brown it's gray. people being sad, and going going yeah. going about being sad, but mm-hmm. it just isn't that to me. Yeah, there was nothing interesting in the telling of it, and uh, I'm glad that you yeah. referenced it being a slog because I'm like, yeah, I'm on board with that. It it is it is for sure, and it's like I think the things that they're successful at, um. Like, I like the the way they lay out some of those scenes, like I said, but it comes, like, way late in the game, and it's, like, like it's intentional because it's, like, the emotional climax, but at the same time, it's, I don't think they have enough stuff, like, keeping you invested throughout, and there's a big play between, like, Judd Hirsch and Timothy Hunt and, like, therapist and patient, but it never actually, like, I think there should be more there. Case in point, Tony Soprano and Dr. Melfi. You really buy their relationship as patient uh and doctor and friends this one though it's like it's kind of there but not really and then when they have their big like thing at the end i don't know if you totally feel it and i think this movie also tries to hit you with a real like zing at the because it ends in a way that i guess you maybe wouldn't expect because there's not really there's not really closure it kind of leaves you in like a drifting kind of thing where it's like, we don't really know what's going to happen next. Such is life. That's what it's like being an ordinary person. You just don't know, Jared. You just don't know. You just don't know. So I, I really like, it's like I said, I really like the story because I think that if this was a book, I think it would probably be a, a good book. But uh, as a movie, it just doesn't 
doesn't have that jazz, man. Doesn't have that jazz. And it's all about that jazz. It is all about that jazz. It's a a movie that people seem to like quite a bit. All that jazz? Yeah. It's pretty good. It's, it's better than ordinary people. <laughs> Probably. I th- I'm pretty sure I've seen all that jazz. Do you, would you describe yourself as an ordinary p- people? No. No? No. Okay. All right. Well, I think... Y- I mean, I think I probably I saw you gave it gave it a fat two and a half. Yep. Which, uh, I mean, I would probably give it a three, but I think that's just because I like the themes more. Right. But yeah, it's that's your right. It's my right, and I mean, it's it coming in at two hours and four minutes. It's not like a short stay. You you really got to kind of dig into that bad boy. But yeah, a little bit of a slog, and uh, you know, maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. Green Book was better. Okay. So you'll you'll have to be the judge on that. I, I will. Or actually, no, you don't. You because you already saw it because you heard my uh, my explanation of Green Book. Uh, I will. Haven't yet. I haven't, re, haven't heard your inter- reinterpretation. Not the whole thing. Yeah. You got you got bits and pieces, just right. not the whole. Right, right, the right. whole enchilada. So what about you? Were you uh, watching any movies? Or no. You, uh, were no. you a busy ordinary per- people uh, this week? I was bu- busy doing ordinary things, but I did uh-huh. manage to get a rewatch in for another uh, okay. Kino Blu-ray of a, for a movie I haven't seen forever and ever. Uh, a movie called Blue Collar from 1978, directed okay. by Paul Schrader and mm-hmm. starring Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Richard Pryor. Harley Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. And Yafit Kodo. Yafit Kodo? Oh, my God. This is a movie about blue-collar union men working in the Detroit auto industry. Just working Mm -hmm. working the line and uh, dealing with their own shit. Not making enough, but not making enough. Can't pay those bills. Can't keep up with the Johnsons. Is that how that saying goes? I don't uh, think that's anything. Oh. (laughs) So... Keep going, though. In the movie, uh-huh. uh, we're introduced to all their like different struggles. Richard Pryor, he he might have uh, lied to the IRS about how many children he has. Harvey Keitel, in real life? In, in the movie, oh, okay. And uh, Harvey Keitel, he his daughter needs braces. Mm-hmm. They, they they don't have a dental plan. Lisa needs braces. Exactly. There and, you go. Uh, there's even one like pretty grotesque scene where she tried to put. Uh, metal wires on her own teeth. Uh. And it's like, oh. So he's working two jobs. He's trying mm-hmm. to make it work, but it's getting harder and harder. Yeah, Fikoto, he's a, kind of a two-time loser. He's been to jail, and uh, he's working nice. the job that's available to him, and he likes to live uh, an extraordinary life of uh, kind of fancying himself a ladies' man, uh, having the boys over, snorting some coke, having nice. some, some fancy ladies over to, to bang, what kind of ladies? Fancy ladies. Classy. Can you describe what that means? Uh, of of loose morals. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But what is morality? What is morality? <laughs> so mm-hmm. what happens is enough's enough. These guys, th- th- they get the sense that their uh, union rep, he's a bum, doesn't represent mm-hmm. them, doesn't take their problems seriously, and that the their local chapter... They uh, also aren't taking themselves seriously. And, but okay. then they, the one day, uh, Richard Pryor, when he goes over there to complain to whatever his name is, Ed Johnson, this uh, real blowhard uh, union man. This, this mm-hmm. starts getting into Jimmy Hoffa territory a little bit. Uh, 
he looks over mm-hmm. and sees this safe that's just there. He's like, oh, all our money's there. It's just being kept around. This would be an easy place enough to knock over. So they mm-hmm. scheme and they plot. They have an idea. Let's just take this money that we're entitled to. No one's done anything for us. The union doesn't do anything for us. Let's, let's just get our money. So they rob the place in the middle of the night. They make mm-hmm. off with $600 and a ledger that they don't understand until Richard Pryor starts reading it and going, "What they're do- what, the reason there's no money is because all the money's out in the world, making money, being uh, lent out at high interest to, le- to legitimate uh-huh. forces. And so they're like, well, now we've got this book. They-, they might pay us off for this. But then at the same time, it's like, or they might come and kill you <laughs> and get the book back that way. So, and what happens? Uh, that would be telling. That would be all spoilery. But mm-hmm. so this is a, this is a tale of unions. Uh, it was fitting okay. that I watched this movie the night before uh, my own union had their Christmas luncheon, and the whole time I was wondering, uh, is this poisoned? Are they going to kill me? Did they? Uh, well, I'm still here. For now. For now. Well, I mean, I'm always now I'm afraid when I go into the one lab with all these 3D printers that uh, maybe like all the 3D printers will just like come on by themselves and I'll be exposed to all mm-hmm. this like plastic fume PLA stuff and it'll just like, you know, kill me 60 years from now. And, and they'll just go all ag- going according to plan. I feel like that's the that's the le- less interesting version of how that could go. What if the 3D printer started printing weapons for themselves to use and, they, and like and printed fire their themselves? own arms and so that they could move and stuff like that? that was, That'd be cool. That was my nightmare from last night. It was right there and you missed it. Hey, you know what this movie kind of sounds like? Do you know Gung Ho with Michael Keaton? No. Directed I, I, by I, know of, I know of it, but I don't know what it's about. I Can, can you make... You know, I recommend you a lot of movies. I think you should watch Gung Ho. Gung Ho. Do you like George Went? Uh, Norm? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's good. What he's... about John Turturro? He's great. What about... Now, stay with me, Jared. What about Clint Howard? Okay, here here we go. When oh, East... just lost right over when, Clint Howard. Well, when East meets West, the laughs shift into high gear. When a Western Pennsylvania auto plant is acquired by a Japanese company. Oh, shit. The oldest story of the book. God damn, Japanese uh. buying up. Oh, boy. Brokering auto worker Hunt Stevenson faces the tricky challenge of mediating the assimilation of two clashing corporate cultures. Sure he does. Oh, yeah. boy. At one did- end is the Japanese plant manager and the sycophant who is angling for his position. At the other a number of disgruntled longtime union members struggle with the new uh, exigencies of the Japanese quality control. Wow. Wow. Okay. Are, are sounds, you, are you sound, interested? Sounds classy. It's directed by Ron Howard. He only makes prestige films. It's true. This Maybe this will be his, uh, this is backdraft before backdraft. Do you know who Rick Overton is? Rick Overton. Rick Overton, he, he let's see, he's also in Willow, know. Groundhog Day, and Eight Legged Freaks. I don't even rec- I don't even recognize this man. He's I don't one, know he's his in, name. He's either. in a bunch of movies I've seen, but I don't know who he. I don't know him. But his name in the movie is Googie. Yeah. Googie Jarrett. Googie. So, anyways, when are you, uh, are you gonna watch 
gung ho this weekend over maybe over Christmas because I know you usually watch a movie with your family, right? Yeah, bring over some gung ho and say, "Yes, yeah, Christmas <laughs> movie." But at the end of it, go, "Ah, oh, nuts! It ain't." Well, I mean, I was uh, fooled. American nationalism is kind of Christmas, isn't it? Shit, yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, just any Michael Keaton movie is fine, but my recommendation is Gung Ho. No. I mean, so the one, maybe one of the things that might push you over the edge to watch Blue Collar is you do see uh, Harvey Keitel walking around in a real banana hammock. Uh, yeah, which he's like very, he's very fond of presenting his body in movies. He's he's he's, he's pretty he's, uh, proud? he's pretty built man. Like me or like you? Uh, somewhere in between. Somewhere in between? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like Clint Howard, maybe? Maybe. Nice. 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 So that was a good revisit for me. Um, but yeah, that was it for Creepin'. Hey, RJ. You got, no. any, you got any news? Uh, I'll let you go first. Well, first up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Anna Karina died. You know about her? Uh, is that the Anna Karina, that book? That famous book? Uh, this would be the star of some Godard movies. Okay, wait. What is the book I'm thinking of? Anna Karina. That is also. Karina. Yeah, there's also, a, there's also a. So not her? There's a book. There's a book uh, and there's a person. Oh, okay. But it, the, the Tolstoy book, was that based on her? I don't believe so. Okay. Well, I you you got to ask these questions. How am I? How else am I going to learn? It's true. You know. So okay, so tell me about Anna Karina. Why I should care? Well, she's uh she's gonna be in some future Criterion movies, and she just died. Oh, so we got her. Mm, I wouldn't preemptively. Uh, no, but you know what? Guess whose birthday it was last week that we didn't talk about. Gung Ho. Kirk Douglas. How how old would he have been? Well, he is one hundred and three years old, or one hundred and three years young. Oh, you you mean would have? So right? I mean, I always assume that like he, I mean, he is a lich, right? I mean that that goes without say at this at here. Uh, I mean, that's one way to describe him. He, uh, I mean, he keeps claiming the lives of others because he has to stay alive. They're animating him. Uh, I Who do you think is doing it? Like, do you think Ooh. Michael Douglas is collecting? And, 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 and Catherine Zeta-Jones, like they're both at work. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, she she does play the game. Yeah, do you get that? Do you get that reference, Jarrett? Do you, Do you get that reference? Do you get it? You know who also died? I just saw. Who's that? Herman Boone. Herman Boone. What was he up to lately? Dying. Really? It was just that easy, hey? Yeah. Well, do, you, do you know who Herman Boone is? Uh, I I, I uh, put it into <laughs> Letterboxd, and the number one result was for the Boz Yakin movie, Remember the Titans. Yes, the football coach played by Denzel Washington, Remember the Titans, has died. I, I, I thought, oh, I thought so that... So that, that is accurate? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Shit. Nice job, Letterboxd. Yeah, they, they Damn. did. Damn. Yeah. So I thought I would share that with you because... I know how you care about Remember the Titans and, and football movies. I do like Remember the Titans. That's a quality movie. I like football too. When are you going to watch radio? What would you watch first, Gung Ho or radio? Gung Ho. Gung Ho? Okay. Yeah. What, what if What if you had a double header? And now just consider this. If you watched radio twice. 
He's pausing for dramatic effect. I also, RJ, oh, have yeah. Criterion's March releases. Anything good? Well, we got some re-releases. Oh, things that we've covered before? The Cranes Are Flying, coming to Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. It's got a mm-hmm. very nice-looking cover. Uh, sure. Salesman. Oh, that documentary that from doc- the Malays brothers? Yes. Yep. Mazels, Massels. <laughs> Malays forever, one, my man. One day we might even find out. Sure, maybe. As well. So from new movies, for number one, we got we got some Showboat. You know James Whale's Showboat from 1936? I know the name James Whale. Yeah, director of uh, the, the Frankenstein. Man the, or Frank, Frankenstein? Some Frankensteins. I don't know if Showboat's yeah. got any Frankensteins, but... It could. This is a big deal, I think, because this movie uh, was unavailable for a very long time. So some people will be very stoked. Leave Her to Heaven, directed by John M. Stahl. I know you've been uh, clamoring to watch Stop. this. So all I've really wanted was some more John M. Stahl. Him and Herman Boone. I just it's got a, Criterion it's got doesn't a have enough. Really nice cover. Does it? Yeah, it's got a very nice uh, DVD art. And okay. uh, what's this? The Prince of Tides, directed by Barbara Streisand. What? Starring Nick Nolte. What? Uh, is film? that a good show? I don't think it is, but it was part of the Laserdisc collection at one point, which saves us having oh. to watch it uh, in the near future. Nice. Anything to get out of anything. Yep. So, yeah, I don't think that movie's supposed to be very good at all. Uh, I saw a lot of people saying, what the fuck? But I haven't seen it. I remember it, it was definitely a movie with, I feel like, Nick Nolte's butt and some lovemaking and people jumping into water. Those are How my, much uh, Those are like my snapshots of this film. I don't know. I, I could be making it up. There might not be a single butt in this whole movie. Who do you think would, be, who, who do you think would win in a fight, Barbara Streisand or Robert Redford? Current day. Current day. I don't know. I wouldn't want to bet on that. Uh, Current and fi- day. Finally, RJ, were you aware that Spike Lee's Bamboozled is coming to the collection on Blu-ray? What's Bamboozled? Uh, it's a movie, RJ. You should look it up. Oh, the one with Damon Wayans? Yep. I, I, have, I, I vaguely know this thing, but I have never seen it. Is oh. it good? It's been a while since I saw it. I do have the DVD of it, the whatever, Platinum series from New Line, New Line Platinum series. I have that Uh DVD. It was shot on digital video, so it doesn't look amazing all the time because it kind of jumps back and forth between that. But it's a curious movie. Have you uh, Google searched it yet? No. Are you aware of its subject matter? No. Oh, you should do that. What should I Google? Bamboozled Spike Lee. Bamboozled Spike Lee. Let's see. Full movie coming up. Should I just look at it? Holy cow. <laughs> is that uh, is that uh, Alfred Hitchcock Yeah. <laughs> over there? Oh, my goodness. Oh. So what? It, what is it? Is it talking about the it's inclusion a, it, of this in, well, in movies? It, it, yes. There's a scene that breaks down the history of blackface and, and okay. uh, the, the, that legacy. And cause it's, it's also about – it's kind of a satire about a uh, – a network that brings on a minstrel show. Minstrel? Minstrel. Like minstrel cycle? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I see Damon Wayne's. Is he the lead? Him and Jada Pinkett Smith? They're, Savon Glover. They're on there. And Michael Rappaport. I was going to say, the one name that sticks out to me here is Michael Rappaport. Yep. 
Is he also playing? No, he is. Uh, no, it's all black people doing blackface. I got you. Or not all, but yeah, the, the characters in it. That's what they're doing. Well, I mean, if you're going to do it, that's probably the way to do it. No, it's probably the wisest route. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, that looks cool. I've. Uh, <laughs> I I thought I knew what this was, but clearly I don't. So clearly not. Should I watch it before ten years from now? Possibly. Maybe you should go on a uh, a big Spike Lee Spike Lee kick. Yeah, I could. I mean, I've seen some. If uh, if Spike, if this goes on to the Criterion Channel, I'll watch it. How's that sound? Sounds like a plan. Okay, deal. Okay. You got any news? No, it sounds like everyone hates uh, Star Wars. But well. I mean, not hates, but you know, it's like it 50, sounds like people are uh, fifty-eight, whatever it is right now, or as of this morning, it was fifty-five, and I see it's gone up to fifty-eight percent of Rotten Tomatoes for that mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker thing. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's not being lauded as much as I totally expected it to be. Because it seems Do you think like the magic is gone, or it's just not that good. Yeah, but, but it's curious because Marvel movies are often in that like eighty-plus range, no matter mm-hmm. what. And then you're like, whatever. And so when I looked, when I popped on there, I was like, what is it, ninety two percent? And then I saw fifty five, and I went, what? Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. We'll see. Uh, I'm actually now that the critics don't like it, I do wonder if the fans will come out and swing and and be like giving it a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes to to fight back against those know it all cranks saying Last Jedi mm-hmm. was a good movie. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of YouTube videos going, Ryan Johnson was right. Here's eight reasons why, or rise of Skywalker, eight things you missed. And it'll have a red circle zooming in on nothing. And then I'll talk about all the things that you just mentioned about bullshit about this or that. And why one is better than the other or why one's not good. And the other is, and what do we even care anymore, Jer? Maybe we should just all watch Star Trek, the TV show. Exactly. Sounds like we'd get more out of that. Life would be so much better. Yep. Hey, did you see your buddy Kumal Nianjani's, uh paid for apps? What now? What? Oh, you didn't see that glamour shot he posted yesterday? Uh, I don't know. What are you talking about? Do you know Kumal, uh, yeah. Kumal Nianjani, that guy that I, I find smug? Yes. He... he <laughs> Check. Just Google him. Google him. Look. Do a Google image search and see the thing that he posted yesterday. And I mean, uh, I think he. I think people were praising him because he mentions that this is only possible because he's working with the biggest studio ever, Disney. But at the same time, it seems smug. I think he's smug. I have problems with a lot of people. I'm not. I'm not seeing anything. You don't see his like workout pic? No. <sighs> Johnny, it's like if you Google image it, it's like two down, like this picture of him with huge abs. <laughs> okay, do you not see that? Nope. Okay, well he claims that he he did this so that he could be in Marvel movies now. I see. But a lot of people were poking fun of it, where they're just like, we know what Roy's stomach looks like, like uneven abs or something Roy, like that. Roy belly. Roy belly, yeah. And, and like that's what I mean. People were praising him because he. I think in his post he was like, he's like, this would only be possible because I'm working with Disney and I have the best trainer in the world and like nutritionists. But right. I mean, I don't know. Do you post ab pictures? 
That's on my personal account, which is none of your business. Well, is that a Patreon thing? No, that's on. That's for my other podcast. What's that one called? Sweet Bods with a, Sweet, with a Z. Sweet Bods with a Z. Yeah. Man. Or, actually, or, or sweet, sweet bods. Sweet bods. Okay, well, it's you let me look it's into about it a little. Sh- sheltness. Being svelte? Yeah. Oh, oh, I haven't done any of that tonight. You haven't? Well, it's the night is There's young. still time. We still have an Italian movie to talk about. Ooh. After the break, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Problematic depictions of masculinity and femininity in the 1950s. Did you say problematic or progressive? Problematic. Jones in a role that combines the tenderness of her award-winning Bernadette with the fire of Duel in the Sun and Montgomery Cliff, fresh from his triumph in From Here to Eternity, in another brilliant performance in Indiscretion of an American Wife, produced by Vittorio De Sica, the world's most romantic director and maker of the prize-winning Bicycle Thief. I can't lie to you, it isn't paradise. I'm not a rich man. I mean, we have to pump our own water from the well, and every time there's a, every time it thunders, the electricity goes off. But I like candlelight. you don't really want anymore? 
don't really want. And you don't know what wanting is. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about indiscretion of an American wife, a.k.a. Terminal Station, a.k.a. Station Termini, from 1953, directed by Vittorio De Sica. This film's tagline, RJ. Mm-hmm. This longing. This yearning. Mm-hmm. This wanting. While on vacation in Rome, okay. married... <laughs> American Mary Forbes becomes entangled in an affair mm-hmm. with an Italian man, Giovanni Doria. As she prepares to leave Italy, Giovanni confesses his love for her. He doesn't want her to go. Together, they wander the railroad station where Mary is to take the train to Paris, then ultimately reunite with her husband and daughter in Philadelphia. Will she throw away her old life for this passionate new romance? It's a good question. So this is a first time watch for me, mm-hmm. uh, and the hunt for this film was a bit odd because you figure this is the Criterion film. It's called Indiscretion of an American Wife, mm-hmm. but that's not the movie's like it's not the real title of the movie. Uh, I also found that a little confusing. Yes, and you, uh, you, when you, I watched you messaged this movie, me very alarmed that uh, we had somehow messed up. But then I corrected mm-hmm. you because I had read the Wikipedia several months ago when I was uh, making sure that everything would align properly when it came to sourcing watching this stuff. Because mm-hmm. this is out of print, I think, and is not on the mm-hmm. Criterion channel. And mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of uh, the only version you can watch is this American cut of the film that uh, the producer, David Oselznik, put together. That's 63 minutes long, which is included right. on the DVD. But there's also the version that uh, Vittorio De Sica made, which is an hour and a half long. And that's the one that's called Terminal Station. The Why, it, why so many names, Jer? Because uh, Terminal Station sounds... Real, neo real, neo clinical Italian neo real, and it's called Terminal Station because that's where it's set. It's real, it's a real station that still functions to this day. Okay, Um, I mean, that makes some sense, I guess. Yeah, it's it's still, it's like a major hub or one of those Mm -hmm. like major hubs in Rome still. So that's what, so that's what they called it. So this gets to enter, uh, what I lovingly refer to as colonial genital adventures. So excuse me. So we have summertime, we have mm-hmm. Hiroshima, Mon Amour, and mm-hmm. now we have Indiscretion of an American Wife. These films about women traveling abroad, perhaps mm-hmm. to Italy, perhaps to Japan, perhaps, perhaps, and uh-huh. uh, they hook up with a uh, a native man, a man from mm-hmm. the a man from the city. And they have a torrid love affair, and now she must make a decision. I mean, uh, what kind and, of decision? And, and, and the other thing with these films is they're all from the fifties. <laughs> do you think it was maybe something that was happening a lot, or do you think it was a just lot, a, a lot of forbid, a lot of forbidden fl- desire? All, all these floozies flying around, banging dudes well, on their husbands. Well, you said it. Man. It, it was Not t- me. maybe tapping into that fear or fantasy. All that, <gasps> all that, all that freedom women are experiencing. <laughs> Uh, who, who, and, who who let that happen? Who let that happen? So, and so we have that like throw line between these Criterion movies we've watched over the years, and we mm-hmm. even have like a, a sprinkling of uh, brief encounter. I feel 
A little bit. There was a train in that one, too. There was. And uh, all three movies handle the situation differently. They're all, like, it is all yeah. about, like, problem solving. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. storytelling. You have these, these this idea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they all have had their own unique takes, I guess, on it to, to various degrees. So this one, uh, the one thing that I thought was interesting with this movie uh, is it's set yeah. in media res. The story's already happened. It's in motion, and it catches you up. There's no flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, it is set at the end of the affair or attraction. And she's mm-hmm. she's kind of like because the movie still opens up with um, oh what's the actress's name? Oh, Greta Garbo? No, <laughs> I I totally Jennifer Jones? <laughs> Jessica Jones? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, it's Jennifer Jones. Jennifer Jones. Dude. Okay, perfect. I was yeah. like I, I kept second guessing myself. I'm like that doesn't sound right. So yeah, mm-hmm. Jennifer Jones, who's the wife of David Oselznick, the producer, who commissioned this film because he wanted to make a movie for her. And okay. uh, yeah, we'll get into that part. Mm-hmm. So she shows up and she's like kind of doing this like slow, like kind of walk up to this Italian apartment and she's walking up these stairs. It's very drawn out as the credits go over, telling us mm-hmm. all the production personnel stuff. And then she's she's about to hit that doorbell, but then she doesn't. And you're like, <gasps> and you're like what's going on? What's all this visual storytelling? And then she runs away, Visual. and then she gets to the trip back. She goes to this train station, this, like, really great-looking modernist architecture that's kind of, like, it borders somewhere between, like, that uh, Mussolini fascist architecture into modernist because it got, like, half-built at one point, and then it got finished sure. in the subsequent years. So, like, I thought it was, like, a really nice space, and I do always appreciate a movie that's shot on location and not on sets, which this mm-hmm. movie is. So uh, the, the, the first 20 minutes is all... Her, like, kind of running through the minutiae of trying to get a ticket mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the times and, like, oh, boy, I just missed this one. I'm going to have to wait. And then we have uh-huh. these, like, flocks of Italian priests and all these people. Throughout the whole movie, we have all this, like, backdrop material of, like, people that you keep seeing repeating back and forth. They're, li- mm-hmm. they're living their lives. You have sick, dying women, um, like, school, like, huge, like, flocks of little kids. That kind mm-hmm. of, that All that flavor, I guess, of... Uh, you would expect, I guess, from the neo-realist school. <laughs> uh, it makes me ugh, makes me smile just saying that word. Mm. Anyway, well, how come? Why does that make you happy? Uh, neo-realist. <laughs> it, just, it, just, it just does, you know? So, mm-hmm. and now we have Montgomery Cliff. He's an Italian man. Sure is. And he's come looking for Jennifer Jones. He's like, what's going on? Why, why are you just leaving me like this? Things were going so great. Look at look mm-hmm. at my eyes and eyebrows. Look at look at my face. Boy, oh boy, I don't I don't know what's going on with this. There's some, there's some sort of explanation about how uh, his mom is not Italian, or she's American, but and his dad is Italian, so that makes it, him Italian. There was some kind of something being discussed in yeah. this movie. This is about then when he throws out the line, you American women are much too emancipated. <laughs> uh what do you think he meant? <laughs> they're they're not uh they're not trained like good Italian women because uh we also get an exchange, uh which I've got the quote here between uh, mm-hmm. old, old Giovanni and Mary. Hit me with that. 
What? Mend my clothes and cook my dinner? You wouldn't like that? Oh, I would. Don't forget, I'm an Italian too. If you didn't behave yourself, in action, waves hand, I'd beat you. Mary Forbes nervously laughs. Giovanni, you wouldn't. Would you? Giovanni, I would. Naturally. Naturally. And you- uh, it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But then later on... <laughs> He, uh, what happens later on he, here? Uh, he lights her up right in right in public. Gives her a nice mm-hmm. big old wallop across the face. And uh, yeah, it's like, wait a minute. What's this movie about? <laughs> and even like before that, there, there's like a lot of signs here. There's a lot of little moments. Like when they sit down mm-hmm. in, the, in a cafe because she's decided to wait a little bit. She's got time. She doesn't want to leave the station yet. And uh, she's she's want to chat with this through because she still has obviously very strong feelings for this Giovanni man clearly, mm-hmm. uh, and he's, he he like reaches over and takes her hat off. She's like, oh what you don't like my hat? He's like he's like that's a smug little hat. <laughs> like okay. Did you think it was smug? Because I thought it was a pretty fine hat. It was a fine hat. It was a fine hat. Like I know you're not a big hat guy because I, I heard they changed the way your head looks, but like. I thought. I, I mean, well, as far as I've, hats I mean, go. I've sent you that photo of me with the Baylog auction hat. Yeah, you have, and like I remember, the response was like, "Was up with this dude's hat? He looks strange. Was up with this dude's head? Even yeah, it looked, even I, I look like a completely different person. Yeah, but I didn't. I at at no point did I find it smug. No, not at all. And yeah. then okay, and then we get her nephew. Who comes along, mm-hmm. wide-eyed little boy, so excited to see his auntie off. And <laughs> then we get Giovanni's face, <laughs> where he just looks horrified. And uh, <laughs> hey, Whoa, you never said nothing about no kids. But he's just, oh man, it's kind of a crazed look in his eyes. And mm-hmm. then and then he smacks her one, and she doesn't like that very much. And so nope. she, she takes off, and he's like, what? What? What about what this? He's like being like ornery, and just annoying. And uh, and then later when like she's like kind of like you know pouting apparently like hmm well how mm-hmm. dare he I I don't want to put up with this but then he catches up with her he, she's on the other side of this platform and he's like Mary Mary and he starts running across the train tracks and there's a train coming and everyone's like whoa what is what are you doing dude and they all try to like stop him and he just doesn't care he doesn't care and he runs mm-hmm. right in front of this oncoming train with rear projection and then he lands on the other side and they're like oh hey oh oh and then she's oh. and she's of course like oh <laughs> i'm so moved mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't care about his own life because that's normal <laughs> it's like that's all isn't that i mean is the message that women just want guys to like one big grand gesture and then a lifetime of beatings no problem maybe i don't know that's a it's a different set of values trucking along here in the 1950s so yeah so what happens then well they uh they go find a a nice quiet little cabin on a train that's like shut down for the night they decide to shack up a little and then the train cops show up and they're like, uh-uh, you got to go to jail now. And he's like, no, just let her go. She's got a train to catch. I'll, I'll take the heat. I'm that, I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, hey, you know, they, they try all the weaselings and stuff like that. And there's like a bunch of faux drama about this whole shit. And then eventually, spoilers, he sends her off packing 
because that's the right thing to do. And uh, he, if you love him, let him let him go, Jer. He's on that train, and then he walks mm-hmm. off the moving train and just wipes out hard. Uh, yeah, he does. And, you know, I've been in a similar situation. I don't know if you know this, but when I was in junior high, I, I went off the back of a truck. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> but I was, tw- I was 12. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, I didn't realize that, yep. like, you can't go from moving to not moving yep. without any recourse. Uh, but y- your body, you know, that's not how momentum works. And, momentum, you know, yeah. Kinetic energy and things and potential energy and, you know, all sorts of energy. And, uh, you know what happened when I wiped out? It sucked. I broke like all my teeth and stuff like that. <laughs> what? I don't know if you. Yeah, my my top deck. These are all fake. Oh, because I broke them all. Uh, I fell off a truck like him <laughs> when he wiped out. I actually got huge flashbacks from that. I was like, hey, that happened to me. But I was a little, little kid. He was a grown man. He should have known better. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I guess even at this point, I wouldn't have. I mean, I guess I might make the same mistake as Giovanni. Just oh, yeah. walk right off this moving vehicle. Yeah, because you don't realize, right? I'm invincible. Like, yeah, the the moment the momentum of it, you're I, you're I, per, I, I preferred lamentum. The momentum of the thing, you're moving, and it's just like, oh, I'm a fall. Hey. So. Yes. This movie. So uh-huh. the biggest failure failure of this movie for me is I am never at any point convinced that this American wife is being so wooed and won over by this seemingly unstable man seemingly correct yeah and uh i don't know i so that that's a problem uh yeah i think there's a few problems my man yeah uh that that's definitely one of them that's definitely a a flaw i think of the structure of this movie uh (laughs) but so like i said i i like that it's shot on location that mm-hmm. it, it, it's all one location too. They never leave the train station. That's pretty neat, uh, and it's it's pretty well told in real time. It takes yeah. place over the course of the entire hour and a half. So, and that's about it. Th- those are the things that uh, are th- to write home about. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I it's a this is an odd movie because I don't think anybody really likes this movie very much. And in fact, I kind of yeah. like. Why is this part of the Criterion Collection? Other than the novelty of it, the the historical mm-hmm. story, but I feel like that's not enough. <laughs> the fact that okay, so I'll get into a little bit of the production stuff maybe now. And then okay. I'll let you. And then I'll let you take over. Sure. So one of the things that you see right off the bat, like for production stuff, is hey Truman Capote is credited as writing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, though, according to Wikipedia, he says or claimed that he only wrote two scenes. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's the only thing he involved with. And uh, as I mentioned before, the movie was uh, commissioned by the producer, David Oselznick, you know, the man who uh, brought us Gone with the Wind. So he was right. riding high, big, big-headed uh, Hollywood producer. He's got his wife, Jennifer Jones. He's like, she's a babe. I'm going to make her a star. <laughs> and uh, so they did a bit of a star search, finding a director. And it's like this Vittorio De Sica. It's like, this guy, he's a big director. We, we want only the best. And they're going to tell the story that I want told. And so this guy apparently just took over production. Like he was like overproducing, mm-hmm. which is like in that weird transition phase too, where, you know, our uh, attachments to things like auteur theory, where it's like the director who mm-hmm. makes these things. But I mean, before that it was a director like a David O. Selznick. Right. He, he wants, he's making this movie. He's telling this guy, you're going to do it this way. Supposedly he was writing 40 to 50 page letters to DeSica, like notes about this movie. 
but the problem is the seeker doesn't know any english <laughs> so <laughs> yeah well i mean at first when i was watching it i was like it's kind of strange that there's there's this weird mix here this is almost like european horror movies where you know people are speaking different languages and their subtitles popping up sometimes and not in others are you saying it's because this dude didn't know english i'm saying that this movie's a kind of a on the fiasco side in a production element um, i think i follow the movie was pr- pretty well disowned by uh montgomery cliff he was not happy with this movie at all um and so in so the seeker hands in this hour and a half cut the one that we watched and so selznick's like fuck this this isn't my mm. vision he takes it he makes it 63 minutes long so he just chops out 25 <laughs> minutes gone and uh gives it its new title it's like no one knows what this terminal station is let's call it indiscretion of an american wife oh baby what do you think what do you think indiscretion means it means bang <laughs> oh my god it's, it's, it's all about leaving it to the imagination like how how indiscreet is she going to get and like you have all these women lining Ooh. up to go, you know, have the case of the vapors. You have all these men who are like, "Yeah, what does she do?" <laughs> like, oh my god! So they're tap- yeah, the, it's, uh, it's exploitation. Like it's a total exploitation movie. And then they go to the movie theater, and then they get to watch this. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of fits in with the movie too, because as she walks by, you get all those daunting eyes of men that are just oh, like, "Yeah," is like, "What's that bitch wearing?" Well, underneath pardon, pardon me that's a line in this movie jared you can tell from their eyes they say that and I then see. even the dude you know he's slapping women around and he's like what you got on under there under your billet me mm-hmm. but i mean you know so yeah that all said it is a yeah. flawed movie <laughs> i i sure. was i was walking in and out at some points i was just like yeah I know where this. I know. I know where it's going, and there's nothing in the telling. There's no really great characters, good writing, Mm -hmm. dialogue. It just seems so by the numbers. It's it's a strange movie because it's this hybrid too between you have like this the 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 king of the Italian neo realist movies, and you have David Wasselsnick trying to do this like American melodrama, and there's like obviously like melodramatic sentimentality in uh, De Sica's movies, like even in Umberto D, very sentimental, but it just doesn't work. Like it never comes together into anything. No, it doesn't. So and like, so RJ, yeah. Well, what did you think of this indiscretion? More like in the shit shin. This one doesn't lend itself better to that shit uh, thing that I do. Yeah. You know, indiscretion of an American shit. It doesn't sound <laughs> as good. Maybe, maybe that'll be my review, I guess. Um, by no means do I think that this is a poorly made movie. Because, like, it's there's some shots that are really nice. Like, there's one scene where she's, like, standing, like, on the walkway and where the train's going to come in and the light's coming through. And you're just like, oh, shit, that looks pretty nice. But then you got a uh, like Italian Tom Cruise walking around beating bitches up, and he's just like, "Oh, make with the sketty, uh, mend my clothes." Did, did it make you think back to beef steaks? Well, you get offered tortellini, and you want beef steak. 
Uh, I think it's funny that you mentioned summertime and uh, like, so you mentioned summertime yep. and Hiroshima Monomore yep. and uh, even Brief Encounter, all three of which I thought were good shows. Brief Encounter being the best of all of those. But yes. uh, I, I know I'm I'm the minority here, but I actually think summertime is good. Well, so I know uh, Oliver Granger gave that bad boy five stars. Well, there you go. There you go, that my movie, man. But that movie's not very good. Just just to be clear, people. Well, that's the personal opinion of uh, a co-host of the global phenom, a uh, globally internationally recognized podcast. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, summertime rules. Uh, that's agreed upon by everyone, and uh, it does. It definitely tries to like. It's it's a movie that is in the same same hood. <laughs> Like, if you will, it's like in the same spirit of all Oeuvre. those movies. Oeuvre. But it doesn't really do any of that stuff. And I think like, I think the biggest thing against this is it's just like, I don't know how it played then, but even just watching it now, you're just kind of like, this guy I, sucks. I don't think it played well. Yeah. Cause no. you're like, you're like, why? Cause I mean, you can, we've had other situations where the man has either been like distant or a little bit like not the nicest like even in summertime like that dude's a little distant and but there's still something believable about it and i think it's because again in summertime uh our leading lady you feel bad for her and sad but not because like you the guy is a prick it's just like she's got a sad story she's just like lonely in this one it's it's not that she's lonely like it almost like vilifies her for like i don't know it's it's the stance where I feel like you could fall into a lot of these uh, like romance on the run things like you were talking about where it's like the married woman finding foreign love. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's like, look at her being all ravaged by these foreigners in their own country, in their own country. It's like her infidelitous ways. Yeah, she's insatiable because I don't let don't let your ladies travel abroad. (laughs) Well, exactly. And I mean, I tell the same thing to my wife all the time too. It's like, hey, don't go anywhere alone. You come here all the time. Uh, I, you know, there, there's something to it though. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, there's something to it's it. Like, Cause it's yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you're traveling alone with unescorted without a man. It's like, mm. come on over here, floozy. Well, I mean, man or woman traveling alone seems like a dangerous oh, endeavor. I, I, I don't no matter know. where I, you I, are I, in the, the world. I've, I've seen those plane loads filled with uh, lonely men. I don't know if people are uh, kicking down their doors. They have to They have to make their opportunities. Uh, maybe you the just go to the, maybe you shop at the wrong stores, Jer. I can help you out with that. Hey, do you know what I mean? The man store. <laughs> do, do you get it? Anyways. Go on. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I feel like I think the thing about this that it just like it loses you is because he's kind of a dick. Like not even just hitting her. Cause you're like, yeah, that's very clearly well, bad. It's definitely like they're trying but, to like, do his this approach. It does feel like they're kind of, there's like a, he's trying to be like Marlon Brando. Who's something act, acting with those eyes. It's like, Oh, let me talk to you, baby. Uh, the only kid, the only person I really sympathized for was the kid who's just like that piece of shit. Wouldn't yeah. hit you if I was around and you're like, you tell him Timmy. Yeah. I'm assuming his name was Timmy. I don't Timmy, Jimmy, whatever the, what the fuck ever it was. Joey, Jimmy, Jojo, Joey, Jimmy, Jojo. Uh, so you feel for that kid. And like you do a few, like you don't feel like nothing towards her because obviously you do sympathize for her, but it's, it's more like do the way you, out. Though? Well, what I was kind of just like, I was like, I think she just went after the wrong guy. 
And he's like, and she is married. Yeah. Well, so there, there's that. You have to like, yeah. Like, so like, like I said, the one thing I found interesting was that they didn't show any of the affair stuff. They didn't show like the, the meet cute, the yeah. whatever. If yeah. they actually, if they actually had sex, they don't do that. They just, they skip ahead all past that point, And then you get the Latimer, which is interesting. Like I really do like that idea. And there's all these factors there that should make this a more interesting movie, but it just doesn't, it doesn't deliver. The writing's not there. The characters aren't there. No, it's not. Like, the writing isn't there. The characters aren't there. And then, I don't know, none of it, none of it works together very well. Or, or none of it works on its own. Because it's like, things don't have to be, like, connected all together or anything like that. It's just those individual elements don't even really work on their own in some of these situations. Like, what they're talking about is, like, we've got the greatest romance of all time he's like look look at how look at how passionate we are and she's like well not really <laughs> not really and then even like the like the stuff that comes afterwards where it's like the conflict is like oh shit they're in trouble by the law and it's like yeah. you were on a train talking to each other they're like we know what that's code for yeah you've been banging for weeks it's like you you floozies and you're just like <laughs> All right, like I know, I know that like people were a lot more judgmental then. Hey, man, people are judgmental now, but at the same time, it's like I don't know this false like tension based on these things. That, like, what does it matter? Why is this a thing on this? Yeah, um, yeah. I did check out some of the hour long cut. Just, just oh, yeah, how was that? Um, it's just like the American version. It's kind of like all that storytelling that DeSica would probably put in there, the pacing, the tone, all gone. It's just very mm. meat and potatoes. So it's just so strange because like the, how they re-edit things, it's always curious where they have her like writing the note and then they're flashing back to her like walking up to the apartment and then her finishing writing the note and then sending it off. There's none of that like kind of like weird like – her having a little bit of uh, an internal life and like thinking about this and having doubts and uh, questioning herself, that's all gone. It's just kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm done. Here's a letter. Smell you later. And then, then he shows up and like, it seems like they, like the movie is definitely like, you know, they're chopping out half hour out of it. So a lot of things falling by the wayside, which I don't think it doesn't change the fact that the story is just not that good. In fact, it, like it, it underlines why the story, like why it's not that great of a movie. Cause the story is just not there. Mm-hmm. And it's not in the make. It's not even like the making. I think the movie is as well made as could be made, but there's some real serious things where it's like, this was like a work for hire thing that I don't think anybody was attached to other than, uh, Oh, Selznick. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's a good way to put it, too. It's like, yeah, it doesn't really feel like anybody's. Just that producer, dude. No. Just him, dude. Doesn't feel like anyone else's, so. But. Why should we give a shit? Yeah. But, oh. Uh, but, RJ, were you aware mm-hmm. that there is a made-for-TV movie from 1998? I was not. Who's in it? Nick Nolte? Ann Archer. And, Who's that? Uh, uh, actress. Okay. You can look her up. It's Ann Archer. Sure. I don't know. She's a, she's like a kind of a celebrity. I, I've heard of Ann her. Ann Archer? Ann Archer. All right. Do you think it's A-N-N or A-N-N-E? I'd probably A-N-N-E. Yeah, but you know, some people out there are just A-N-N. I'm, I'm sure Google will uh, correct you. 
All right, Ann Archer, what was your deal? Fatal Attraction, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, Body of Evidence, Narrow Margin, Good Guys Wear Black, Paradise Alley, uh, Rules of Engagement, Man of the House, a lot of Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford films, Jer. Mm -hmm. They they loved her. Uncle Nino. If you've ever seen that, Future Creep Shortcuts. Good stuff. All Good stuff. A lot of Cuba Gooding Jr. movies, too. Okay, I'm done. So this movie, she plays the wife of huh? a ambassador. Sure. With, and they've traveled to, they're in Italy with their child. Sure. And uh, he's I so busy with paperwork, he has no time to pay any attention to her. And so mm-hmm. she runs, she goes off and starts having a uh, the budding relationship with this uh, Italian man who's a, uh, oh, he has his own vineyard. That's what it is, because of course mm. vineyards in Italy go so well together. But it it, lay, it lays out the whole like seduction, the the meet cute, and the oh will they, won't they, should they, and uh, should they? <laughs> that's what the movie is. And I uh, I just got so bored with this thing because I'm like, well, it's a remake. I already know where it's going to go, and there's nothing mm. good here. It does. I mean, to me, it does drive home that uh, Station Termini is not. Horrible. Huh. It's just, it just didn't ever, never had a chance. This it's one, it's just not there, man. It's uh, that, talking about schmaltz. Oh boy, Lifetime movies, they they do that very very well. This wasn't even actually on Letterbox until I uh, created it. Mm-hmm. So that tells you where this is in the hearts of people. Barely a thousand people have watched the Indiscretion of American Wife movie, and no one even cares about the uh, made for TV. It's, it's like down there with. The notorious TV remake thing. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think you, the biggest takeaway from that, Jared, was that you said that you created the entry for this. And so, why is there a problem for creating the entry to my, I think, brave retelling of Best Picture Award winner Green Book? Well, you have to perform it first. Well, we can do that. We can do that. As long as you say that you will create an entry for this. That's what matters. Is this a video or audio project? It can be whatever you want. I see. Okay. Uh but no yeah, I I I'm glad I mean I'm glad you uh you braved the wilderness on that one to uh you fell on a grenade for us and uh you watched a little little remake. You know, it's it's you know it's the least I could do. Yeah, for, I for mean the sake it of is literally no. Yeah, for the sake of thoroughness. I didn't even know because it's like I said, if people want us to review the remakes, they should email in or something because sometimes it's like, we have no idea. This isn't a professional thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, Wikipedia came through. I didn't know until I got to the very last line of a paragraph. I went, whoa, there's a there was a remake? I'm all about that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this remake business? And it's on YouTube? YouTube. Mm. So, RJ, what do you think about it? Ta- yeah. <laughs> so stop it right there. Who who hates indiscretion of an American wife? Can we before we even get to that? Okay, okay, how yeah. many people? Okay, nine hundred and forty-four yeah, people. Less have seen than a I was gonna. I was gonna say how many people have even seen this fucking movie? Yeah, it's not on the. It's not on a lot of people's lips or minds. Mm, a minute on the lips, forever on the hips. Am I right, my man? So who hates this? <sighs> yeah, we'll go with one star from doodler man <laughs> that's a good name i like that easily vittorio de Sica's worst movie 
horribly melodramatic and uninteresting. Supposedly, this is 20 or so minutes shorter than the original cut called Terminal Station, but I can't imagine those extra minutes saving much. Mm. I don't know how to save much from Doodler, man. No, that's not. Uh, they have like a million five-star films, so that doesn't matter. But favorite films include No Country for Old Men. Yep. Old Boy. My Life is a Dog. That's a creep. We covered that. Huh. And Ichi the Killer. Whoa. I don't know how My Life of a, as a Dog fits in there, but it, I guess that's a revenge flick. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Uh, you want you know what's a half star film for a doodler man? Hmm. Max Keeble's Big Move. <laughs> this has been brought up on our show before. Yeah. I don't know why Max Keeble's Big Move is a half star film, and uh, I don't want to know. To be very honest with you. Okay. I don't want to know. Calum Reed, who I feel like we've talked about before, maybe. It's possible. We'll find One out. One and a half star. Eight years after Brief Encounter opened the door for classy studies of adultery, we get this trek inert, terribly cast, and burdened by crazily heightened moral overtones. Avoid at all costs. Uh, that's one of those words that uh, does come up frequently in these inert inert yeah. inert avoid at all costs well see when i read yeah. avoid at all costs i read that as a void at all costs i mean that that would be an awesome name for like a, a movie or a book or something avoid at all costs yeah it's kind of like the story of your life dude hey you know what i wouldn't avoid at all costs stop or my mom will shoot which appa- apparently Caleb reed thinks is a half star film i don't think that's fair Jingle All the Way, also not a half-star film. Mickey Blue Eyes, also not a half-star film. Nor is Problem Child or My Girl. Here's one that you will take qualm with. Throw Mama from the Train. Not half-star. Or actually, the real one, Boys from Brazil. Half-star, apparently. Five-star films are things like Roma, 8th grade. Lots of criteria and stuff. Junk that doesn't matter. Uh, Roma in 8th grade and uh, probably Roma in 8th grade. And finally, Gabe Leibowitz, one and a half star. Can't imagine DeSica ever had much control over this Oselznik sop fest as it goes against everything he established with his neorealistic roots. Uh, Feels like a mix of Brief Encounter, which that's two references now, which I'm hardly nuts over anyway. And I wonder if it's because of the black and white photography and like the proximity of the faces in the train. I guess that's quite a bit, but I mean, I, yeah. And before sunrise gone horribly wrong, which is also a train. And before sunrise is really good. The Mm -hmm. script is packed with cliches. The music is all wrong. I honestly didn't even notice the music. The didn't situ- even know it had music. Yeah. The situation's all predictable and silly. I, I wonder if that's the American cut. I don't even know if the, the Italian one did have music. And if it did, don't remember. Some nice misty cinematography of the train station is the only saving grace here. How did this get a Criterion release over Shoe Shine? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that was what you were messaging me about the other night. I'm always talking about shoeshine, man. Yeah. Always. Always. Hey, you know Gabe Leibowitz? Yeah. More like Gabe Leibowitz shits. Whoa, okay. <sighs> slow, it, slow it down there a little bit. Uh, I mean, a lot of the five-star films are things like Umberto D and Knights of Cabiria and lots of Criterion films. Yep. But their favorite movie, allegedly, is Call Me By Your Name. 
And I will never not have a problem with that popping up on favorite films. <laughs> hey, you know what are some not half-star films that this person thinks are half-star films? My Giant. It's not a half-star film at all. Blade 2, possibly one of the greatest films ever made. Not a half-star film. Gone in 60 Seconds, Vanilla Sky, A Knight's Tale, Ace Ventura 2, When Nature Calls. No, no, no. No, no, no. Leave a shits indeed. But here's something you might... Kingpin half a star, apparently. Sister Act a half a star? Problem Child again? What do these people have wrong... Like, against Problem Child? I don't know. What's going on here, man? Cool Runnings. Half a star. Get <laughs> fucked. It's like, it's like in a personal attack on your childhood. I know all of these things. Kindergarten cop, uh, cop, a half star. Look who's talking to a half star. The air up there. Junior, Mrs. Doubtfire, the, Dennis the Menace. These are all half star films from Gabe no, Leibovitz. No, this, 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 this is this lame. Ninja Turtles, Twins. Look who's talking. The original. Come on, come on, Jer. <sighs> you, uh, you got any final thoughts? Ah, uh, it's a movie. No, and I mean, the question always arises. It's like, why is this in the Criterion? Why are any of these fucking movies in the Criterion? You know what I mean? Why? Why is the Criterion? Why is the Criterion? Is a question that I would like to ask. After the break, yeah, we run onto those train tracks, and then and then? We, then we just stop running. Uh, do you want to have a, a pact? You still have to watch Suicide Club. I have seen Suicide Club. Have you? The Japanese movie? Yeah. Yeah. When did, yeah, you, you, watch, when did you watch that? You gave that to me like years ago, dude. But I don't remember you watching it. Yeah, I did. Well, I, com- so- I, I even commented you in the review. Oh, really? Yeah, and I mean, like looking back, it's a little cringeworthy, I think. Oh, probably. Because I'm like, I'm like, oh, Jared Duncan. They're... I'm gonna go delete this right now. Oh, good. That was yeah, like, ah, be... oh, sorry, folks. Before before anyone can see what I reviewed for this movie. Well, anyway, it'll oh, be. Oh, I already like... deleted it. Oh, thank it, God. It, it'll be like 15. Yeah. See, see, how am I supposed to remember that? It'll be like that though. It'll be Suicide Club plus Indiscretion of American Wife. Plus. Problem child? Why not? Outside another yellow moon There's ponds to roll in the nighttime, yes I climb to the window and down to the street I'm shining like a new dime The downtown trends of food Try so hard to break out of the little worlds. Well, you wave your hand in the scattered like clothes. They have nothing that will ever capture your heart. They're just thorns without the rose. Be careful of them in the dark. Oh, if I was one. George, usually here I ask you a question i don't really want to hear the answer to but i have a question for you it's the end of the year and not only is it going to be the end of the year it's also going to be the end of the decade 
is it is it necessary as content creators on the internet that talk about a media for us to do potentially a top 10 films of the decade list if the fans demand it i think theoretically we have two episodes before the end of the, the decade and the the last our first episode will come out the day of the new year so that's I, when our list would be published yes uh i would say if people want it if anyone listens to this portion you better write the fuck in man or else we're dropping it get your thoughts in then and only then not before don't break the rules I hate when people do that break the rules don't break the rules there there you had it man (laughs) there there you have it so yeah you can email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com and tell us your top 10 films of the decade you've got two weeks you got two weeks. And if you, you're I mean, not you, listening to this I mean, part... Well, I don't give a shit about this year. Fucked. This year sucked. There's some real bad movies out this year. There's like not even five movies I've seen that are great this year. So fuck that. But tell me all about this last ten years. And maybe there, maybe it sucked too. I don't maybe know. Maybe it did. I think mean, there's some really good movies. So we'll talk about it. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We've mm. got a YouTube. We've got Patreon. Mm. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, all the finest and? platforms in the world. Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Tumblr, RJ. Are we on Tumblr? Because we, I we, feel like Tumblr's not a thing. We, I checked once. And we were. I don't know if it's still active, but it's possible. Next week, hmm. Spine 203. <laughs> we're going right back to that Fast Binder fellow that we just learned about not that long ago. We're watching the beginning of this trilogy, this Fastbinder trilogy of sorts, about women. And that first film in that, The Marriage of Maria Braun from 1979. How does that float your boat? It floats a goat, but I don't know about a boat, my man. And it's all on the Criterion channel, so uh, you have that ease of watching, fellow subscribers. Is it? It is. Are you confident on that? Pretty confident, unless they take it away. I'm, they could. I don't they, know. They, they 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 always do. So hopefully that doesn't happen between now and next week. I think we're okay well, though. Well, um, <laughs> that's it. Sure it is. We did it. Did we though? Did we even really do anything this episode? We. I feel I feel closer to you than I've ever felt before. I don't know if that's good though. Because sometimes people are closest when they're about to fall apart. Good night.